And uh, what we're going to do today is kind of a, a hybrid between him on the big screen and me. And we're doing this because he was really insistent on telling you guys the bad joke. Uh, he wanted to make sure absolutely nobody laughed, okay? Because if I told you a joke, it would just be like roaring thunder laughter, much like now. So anyway, he's going to preach the first two points, and then I'll come up and finish off the message. So go ahead and take it away, Dad. All right, we're going to continue on today in the series we're doing called, Who Do You Think You Are? And in this series, we're talking about our identity in Christ. And as I've been saying, it's so important for us to know who we are in Him because we have a very real enemy who's like the master of identity theft. And he's, he's trying to keep you from living the life that God has for you. And so knowing who we are in Christ really helps us to stay connected and engaged and experience, you know, real abundant life in Christ. And so we've uh, recently just finished talking about the Beatitudes. And then last week, we introduced the idea of the fruit of the Spirit. And I talked about being free in Christ and what that means. So now we're going to sort of really dig into the fruit. And we're going to talk this week about love. So that's where we're headed but I do have a bad joke for you because uh, I know that you, you look for those. I just found out recently, you know, Yoda on Star Wars, he has a last name. It's Leihihu. You know, Yoda Leihihu. <laughs> ah, that's really bad. Okay. Scripture reading here on purpose. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So that's the aspects of the fruit that we're going to be looking at that's developed in us by the Holy Spirit. And as I said last week, you can't manufacture these things. This is what's to be uh, flowing out of us. This is what happens with us and happens in a life that's yielded to the control of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And love tops this list because really it's, it's sort of the, the most important, the first, Im- of first importance. It, out of it stem all of the other aspects. And, and so we need to understand what love is in this process and what it looks like because you know, we, we want to know that we're yielded to the Spirit. I, I said last week a lot of the, you know, what we get out of the, knowing the fruit is that, that we should experience it. We should be seeing it happening. And when we're not, it's a pretty good clue that we're really not yielded to the Spirit, that we're sort of being led around by our our sinful nature. And so we need to know what this fruit looks like and how it operates. And so love is significant. Love is, is sort of taking the initiative to build up and meet the needs of others without expecting anything in return. Love desires to seek and apply what, what God has to say. And people... Uh, they long to love and to be loved. You know, just consider culturally the countless love stories and songs and poems that have been written throughout time about uh, the idea and the subject of love. Now, love usually, the way we understand it, refers to strong feelings. And, And feelings are certainly important because God wants us to really feel love for Him and for other people. But God wants us to experience love uh, in a greater way that goes beyond human emotions. So we're going to start with this. Point number one in your notes is that God is love. God is love. 1 John 4, 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
And also in 1 John 4, 16, it says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Now, this is a, just an amazing claim. God is love. I, I read something that, that just sort of fit that so perfectly. I want to read it to you uh, right now. It says this, that God's absolute fullness of life and truth and beauty and goodness and all other perfections is such that he's not only self-sufficient, but also in his very nature, overflowing. God is so absolute, so perfect, so complete, so full, so inexhaustibly resourceful, so joyful that he is by nature a giver, a worker for others, a helper, a protector. What it means to be God is to be full enough always to overflow and never to need, never murmur, never pout. God is love. The implications of that for the way that we live are, are, are big because he wants us to love like he does. So oftentimes here we talk about the two great commandments. It's wrapped into our mission of who we are. And, and so we talk about it a lot. It's so loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. This is in uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-four through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what's happening here is that um, a person who's very well versed in scriptural law is trying to test or trap Jesus, and he asks him this question, which is the greatest or the most important commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Now, that's probably the answer the guy expected, because in effect, what Jesus is quoting from is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, which is known as the Shema, and and it had become sort of the go-to confession of faith uh, in, uh, among the established religious community, and they would, they would confess those verses in the morning and in the evening. But Jesus goes beyond that, and he adds this point. He says, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, uh, Jesus isn't just making that up out of nowhere. He's actually quoting another verse, Leviticus 19.18. But uh, prior to that, those two passages had not been connected. And so Jesus is adding that to it as another uh, great commandment, if you would. And so what he's doing is he's raising the idea of loving your neighbor significantly. So it's love God, love your neighbor as yourself. He's bringing those things together. So that's a really big deal about how we're to love and, and about the idea that we're to begin to learn to love like he does, which can only happen as we're yielded to the Holy Spirit. Because secondly, and this is point number two, is, is love is more than a feeling. It's more than a feeling. When the Bible speaks of love, uh, love has more to do than with what we think or what we feel. Matthew seven twelve. most of you will know this one uh, as the golden rule. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. 
Uh, again, that's another verse we talk a lot about here. It's about us, um, you know, treating people the way we wanted to be, the way we want to be treated. It's about our actions. And uh, that it's significant because we're told to treat people the way we want to be treated, not sort of culturally, which is what happens is, I will treat you the way you treat me. That's our cultural way of looking at things. If you treat me bad, I'll treat you bad. If you treat me good, I'll treat you good. But scripturally, as as citizens of the kingdom, we're always to treat people the way we want to be treated. Uh, And so how they treat us back isn't the issue. That's between them and God. We're to treat them the way we want to be treated. It doesn't mean we get take advantage of or any of those other things. But it just means that that's what love in action looks like. And, And so actions... They're more important than words. That's not to say that words are not important because how the things that we speak to people certainly are important and significant. But our actions are, are even more important than that. And this emphasis on action uh, in, in love is actually indicated by Jesus' choice of the Greek words that he used mostly to talk about love. So usually the word that Jesus uses is a general word for love, which is agape. And it's used as a verb, which implies sort of thought-out decisions and determined effort to show love. Occasionally, he uses the word, the Greek word phileo, uh, which implies affectionate feelings. And so there are feelings involved, but love is more than a feeling. Now, in the past, I've often said that, that uh, with that idea that love is more than a, ceiling, a feeling, I've said that it's a decision or a choice. And I want to talk about that for a moment as I've I've been praying about that and considering what that means. So there's, there's truth absolutely in that, that love is a choice or love is a decision because it's, it's true if you don't feel like doing good to your neighbor or you don't feel like doing the next right thing, that, that this love will incline you to do it anyway. So, so love will move you in the direction of saying, not my will but yours be done. And so there's, that's the truth in that idea that love is a choice or love is a decision. A decision. But uh, in thinking about it, I'm concerned that if you limit it to that, it makes it sound like the power to love is somehow confined in our choices or decisions. And, and I want to make sure that you understand that, that love has to go beyond all those things. It has to be more than a feeling and more than a choice and more than a decision. It has to be allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest the love of God in our lives. So, so we can never lose sight of the idea that, that His love has to be flowing through us. Um, because my thought is this, that if, if we're trying to exhibit love to someone that's based merely on a choice or a decision and has none of that life-changing power of God in it, that the recipient would, would not feel like what they were getting was very loving. It just wouldn't come across that way. So what I would say that is, is this, that if our love is only a choice or a decision, it's not yet all that it can be or should be. And so it's really about learning to yield to the Holy Spirit in this area so that we can love really well like He does, love extravagantly like He does. And that brings us to point number three. And here, I'm going to invite Doug to come and share this point with you. Douglas, come on up. Thanks, Dad. Uh, earlier in the week, we were, uh, he was trying to make it like, we need to make it as seamless as possible. So like, I walk off the screen, and then you come on. I was like, okay. And then that happened. So anyway, uh, that's kind of our conversations during the week. We don't talk about anything else, just how we're going to do church. Our third point 
is Jesus is our model. Jesus is our model for that love. He's our model for life. He's our model for ministry. He's our model for love. Uh, we're going to read this passage in John 13, 34 and talk about it just a little bit. Uh, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. What exactly was new about it? Uh, the second half of that verse explains, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. If we read a little further back into John chapter 13, it starts off with, uh, the, you know, the, the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Uh, he served them. Included in that were Judas and Peter, too. And if we read later on in chapter 13, we read that Jesus predicts Judas's betrayal before he's crucified and also that Peter will deny him three times. So these are two very dear friends to him that just stab him in the back, that betray him. Uh, you know, obviously they go to different ways. Peter turns around and is um, restored, but um, Jesus loved them. You know, he, he served them. He, he gave the ultimate show of love. So when Jesus says, love one another, he meant for us to show that love, for us to show it, even when it's not natural, even when it's not easy, even when the other person doesn't appreciate or, or respond the way we'd like them to. Uh, Jesus was always doing good. You know, he lived by doing the next right thing. He always did the next right thing. Uh, he was a, a humble servant. Uh, you know, he taught those that, that needed to learn. He was an encourager. He healed the sick. He comforted the oppressed. We read in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life is a ransom for many. Jesus' teachings about love in this world, they're, they're life-changing, they're heart-changing, they're, they're soul-changing. When we live by trying to show others that love, it transforms the world. He lived that perfect example of a life filled with love. He showed us a love greater than the world had ever seen. He says in John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his time. He laid down his energy. He laid down his emotions continually. And then he even laid down his own life for his beloved. He, he suffered and was willing to suffer the most terrible, gruesome, humiliating death that he could for each and every one of us. The love of God must flow into us from Jesus and then in return flow out to those, of a, to those around us. We're to be fueled and empowered by that love of God. I want to look at this passage of Scripture. We, we've probably heard it before, but it's such a great reminder of what love really is. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. And it says this, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So when we take time to think about what love is, uh, we know that God is love. And we can put God in that passage. You know, we say God is patient. 
God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. It's such a a great reminder when we're we're feeling down and out, when we're not feeling loved, to, to go to that, that God loves us and that he's always got us. And because we know that, we can flow it out. And a great exercise is to put uh, your name in there. So we'll put my name in there for now since I have the microphone. We could say Doug, pati- Doug is patient. And uh, sometimes we might mix around is and Doug and is Doug patient? Add a question mark in there. Uh, who knows for the most part? Uh, I think that's something I'm still working on. You know, you can go to Winn-Dixie and have your patience tested, right? It's a great place. It's certainly easier than hunting for our food. But, um, you know, there was an instance, even yesterday, you know, I have my car, got my groceries, trying to go home. It's, you know, it's Saturday afternoon. I got church in a couple hours. And then a couple people in front of me, a couple carts in front of me going down that one ramp to get out. There's these two guys with a little cart, and they have a couple of six packs of beverages that they're very carefully guiding down the ramp. There's one on the back, one in the front. And my inward expression was... My outward expression was rolled eyes, so that was marginally better, but I, I wasn't feeling terribly patient there. So, you know, we all have stuff we can work on. Doug is kind. Is Doug kind? Try to be. <laughs> I, I didn't, you, you know, show my inward thing. Anyways, you guys get the point. We can read that and really work on each of those points. So, you, you know, consider that this week, that God is love and that Love is more than a feeling. It's an intentional action that we say, I'm going to go out. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to do my best to show God's love to the world. And that'll be good. So think about this week. Next week, my dad will be back and we'll be talking about the next fruit of the Spirit, joy.